Hello and welcome to podcast 63 from Football Anya, your home of Dutch football. We're available on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes and Football Nation Radio to listen to and download. Please make sure to give us a like and subscribe wherever you're listening. I'm Michael Statham and I'm with Mike Bell, the Football Anya editor and founder, to talk about the Netherlands' upcoming fixtures, the two Euro qualification crunch matches, Northern Ireland at home and Belarus away. We're going to talk about the squad, who's going to play, preview the games. Enjoy. Mike, it's uh, Netherlands against Northern Ireland on, on Thursday. Big qualifying match for the Netherlands to get to the Euros. Uh, it's the seventh match out of a 10 to qualify. Do you think that the Northern Ireland match here is going to be um, quite a tense one or do you think it's something the Netherlands might finally exude the confidence that they've been showing so far in the Euros and win it actually quite comfortably? For me, I'm hoping it's going to be a comfortable evening. Um, on paper, Northern Ireland should be no match for the Netherlands and not have been in some good form during this qualifying campaign so far. But if you look at before this qualifying campaign and their results in the, the Nations League, even some friendlies, they don't really travel very well. It's only really been during this qualification campaign that they've, you know, they beat Estonia away, they beat Belarus away. But then we saw their level last time out and they got beat 2-0 by, by Germany. So you'd expect that Netherlands, full of confidence at home, um, going on the attack should be too much for this Northern Ireland side. Especially, you know, you look at the last international period, Netherlands really put themselves in pole position to win this group. And uh, this is the game that is a big test in this international um, period. So I think that it should be hopefully a comfortable win from the, uh, the Netherlands if Kimmin gets his tactics right, goes on the attack from the, from the beginning. And yeah, I'm hopeful of a good result. Yeah, as am I, and everyone talks about how Never the sorry Northern Ireland can work really well as a, as a team and grind out results. They uh, lost two 0 to Germany, like you mentioned there, Mike. But, but before that, a one 0 win against Luxembourg, one 0 win against Belarus. Before that, if you keep going further back, be Estonia two one, Belarus two one. So they do grind out results. They would have to really try and um, make the most of any opportunities they get in the Netherlands. Uh, but personally, I, I don't see a shock happening. And like you say, if Kuman gets his tactics right, it's going to be a comfortable evening because the quality they have, Northern Ireland, is is very limited. I think their da- only real danger man who's likely to cause any problems will be Stephen Davis. And he's a 34-year-old midfielder, a good player. But you'd think that Frank de Jong, say, might just nullify his threat out of the game and try and pass his way through using all the pace and the passing and they just get will get through that tight sort of Northern Ireland defence. They've been playing 4-3-3. I'm just going to check the formation they played against Germany actually because they kept them out for a long, long time. It was only that second goal for Germany really late in the match. Yeah, they were playing a 4-3-3 then. In my opinion, it's quite risky because even though they probably were quite compact, I think unless they go to a five at the back, they're going to find it really difficult to keep the Netherlands out. You were alluding to the tactics there, Mike. How do you think Kuman should set his side to play? And are there any players that you would introduce into the lineup that have not played recently? Well, I think Kuman's going to stick with what he's done recently, and he's going to stick with four-three-three. I think that the lineup mostly again picks itself. I think we talk about 
the fact that Cumin is very consistent with his squad selections and he's very consistent with his team selections as well. I don't see any really big big questions. There's only really two positions that are really um, not nailed down in the lineup, and I think that's a right back. You know, you've got Veltman or Dumfries for that position. I think that because it's a game where you're expecting everyone's going to be on the attack, most of it, you'd think that you know, Dumfries is the better option for that with his pace. And then one of the wings spots, I think that you know, Memphis is going to start for the middle again. I think he will start with Babel. Um, and then the other wing spot is basically you're three men for it. You've got Daniel Malin, who I think should start. He's in absolute sensational form for PSV, scoring goals left, right and centre. I think he's the best man for it. But then you've got Bergvine back. He missed out last time um, for injury, but he's back in the squad. And then you've got Quincy Promise, who's actually playing well for Ajax at the moment. So Cummins got options for those that right wing slot. I'd rather see Malin start. I think he did well in the last international period and he, he got his goal against Germany. He's in red-hot form for PSV and uh, I think that he'll cause Northern Ireland's defence a lot of problems if he does start. I like your point about Quint's premise there. He definitely is coming into form now. I think it really needs to be handed to Eric Ten Hag with how well he's been playing. When he signed for Ajax, there was a lot of expectation that he'd play a lot of games. He didn't. And I think that comes down to Ten Hag actually keeping him lying in waiting on the bench watching how Ajax play, getting a hold of that, but also getting hungry and hungry, just waiting to play. I think it's quite a clever thing that Ten Hag's done, not just once at Ajax, because he did it with Donny van der Beek as well. And look how important he is now for the Ajax team. Because at the start of last season, he didn't play a lot of games. I think we've seen it again with Promes. just want to touch upon Daniel Marlon, Mike. He did exceptionally well yet again for PSV, scoring a double against Rosenborg in the Europa League. Um... Why, why is Marlon scoring so many goals? His rate is almost a goal per game. OK, if you take away perhaps his five goals against Vitesse, he would still be averaging at least a goal every two games. Still an exceptional record for PSV striker, not just in the Eredivisie, but in Europe as well. Is his form as simple as the fact that he's now gone from a winger to playing as a striker, or is there a lot more to that? I think that he's just very comfortable playing in the, the striker role. It's what he did in his youth. Um, it's only when he went to Arsenal, he got pushed down to wing and he started as a winger at PSV. But you see, this season with Luke de Jong gone, he's got his chance and he's taken it with both hands. He's just such a handful for, for a defence. He's strong, he's really quick. He seems to t time his runs perfectly. And in front of goal, he's just a really good finisher. And um, We've seen it time and time again. He gets a lot of chances because of his pace and... He's got a lot of strength. He can just bustle through challenges. He's a good dribbler. I think that you see that he's one that's really carrying this PSV side at the moment with the goals that he's getting. Um, if you look at someone like Steven Bergvine, who's really not contributing as much as you'd think this season, um, especially when he was linked with such big moves in the summer, you'd expected him to, to be the main man for PSV, but it's been Malin, and it's really sensational. He had a slow start to the season. I think those... Five goals against Vitesse have really kicked off his form now and he scored against Ajax. That was a really crucial goal he got there. He scored against Pexville in the last Eredivisie game and in Europe he's just been, been excellent. He scored against Sporting and the double against Rosenborg. I really hope it continues because you know, I've been crying out for Netherlands to have that next you know, sensational striker and it, at the moment it looks like Daniel Mallon is that man. Um, yeah, he's not... 
your typical big, strong centre forward like a De Jong, but he's just so hard to play against and defenses seem to struggle. Um, I think Van Bommel's got his his front three right and the this link really well and um, with a free pacey pacey forwards, it's just really worked out for PSV and yeah, I think that Marlon's goals are really what's turning PSV into a really genuine title contender this year. I really like how Marlon is that pacey striker. The Netherlands, I don't think, need that big strong striker because of the way they play and the players that will play around the striker link up really well with Marlon and it just works perfectly. We have seen it before with Memphis, but I know that you and I would both rather see Memphis play out wide or just behind the striker to get the best out of the striker he's playing and also get the best out of Memphis so they can just sort of bounce off each other. And so far, so good. I, I think this is a perfect time to open up the questions that we received on Twitter. Thanks for sending those in. As always, you can send us your questions and your views ahead of any podcast that we do. There'll be another one next week, if you'd like to know. Anyway, first question's from Abdul. And he said, uh, two years ago, Dutch football was falling apart. And this year, all the teams are leading their, the, their Champions League, Europa League groups. Ours are doing really well. And the national team is dominating. So what's changed? Well, before I hand it over to Mike to answer the question, I just want to point out that... You know, in 2016, that the the Euro qualifying campaign, there were some awful results, weren't there, Mike? They like they were losing to the likes of the USA in, in friendlies, but also in the Euro qualifying campaign, they lost against Iceland. Admittedly, it was a very good spirited Iceland side, but losing three 0 in Turkey, losing at home to the Czech Republic, um, and you were at that match, weren't you, Mike? Then in 2018 for the World Cup, that awful result in Bulgaria. So a lot of things were going wrong and often we pointed to things in the past, didn't we, in our podcasts at the likes of um, Danny Blint being manager. But it's been a really quick turnaround, hasn't it? Because it's not as though all of these players that are now in the team have cropped up overnight. Some of them were in the team before. Yeah, and it's... I think we talked about it you know, a couple of years ago when it was all going wrong. And there's a lot of written about the fact that the Dutch football is in demise, but everything comes in cycles. And when you have a structure like Netherlands has, where it is a focus on youth, you always knew that at some point the talents were going to start coming back again. And that's exactly what's happened. I think that you, you can really pinpoint Netherlands' resurgence based on the fact that one, they put the right man in charge in Ronald Koeman, and two, the emergence of the likes of Frankie de Jong, who has totally transformed this Netherlands side, and in my opinion, because he allows everyone else to do exactly what they want to do on the pitch. And we didn't have someone like that before. We had likes of Strutman and, and Vijnaldum playing next to each other in two defensive roles, which was just absolutely incredible when you think about it. The two of them were playing like defensive midfielder together. And when you see what Wijnaldum can do for Netherlands when he's a bit further up the pitch, it's it just really did take someone like Frankie de Jong, who is one of the best midfielders in the world coming into it, it's just transformed everything. The confidence that Ronald Koeman's installed in the likes of Memphis, and it just flourishes. And even with a club size, you've got somebody like Eric Ten Hag, who's doing an excellent job with Ajax. Um, and the run basically in the Champions League last year has convinced the likes of Ziyech to stay, and you've seen how influential he's been in Europe. And yeah, the players that are coming through right now are, are leading these teams to, to success. AZ have 
two of the best young talents in the Netherlands and Calvin Stings and Marion Bordeaux and you've seen how well they're doing in the league and up against like some United in the Europa League, they, they bossed that game. Um, you've got PSV, you've got like some Allen coming through, Bergwijn's still there. There's just talent all around the Netherlands and it's really pushing the national team back to what we expect from them. Um, you got rid of the old generation like Van Persie, Schneider, all of them are gone. You got his fresh blood. It's just really exciting times, and yeah, I think in, we're just seeing the beginning of it now because I think in two and three years' time, this Netherlands side is going to be even better when these talents have actually reached their peak, and it's exciting because 2020 might come too soon. We might not see the best of it, but 2022, Netherlands could be a genuine, genuine force. It's a good point, and, and well explained there, Mike, about all, all of these things that have just changed in the Netherlands and from top to bottom things have improved we always used to say oh we need to get a better player for this position for example the right back position and then Denzel Dumfries came along and then we said oh we need a new midfielder then Frank Diong appeared De Ligt and all these young players have come in and made a difference not every single position has had that and actually we now find ourselves at a position where we are starting to nitpick all of all of these positions again. We're actually looking at someone such as Dumfries and going, actually, is, is he good enough? All these players have come in and now we, we have these really high standards again of the Netherlands, which is what Dutch football fans expect from the national team. They expect their national team to be something, to be very, they're very proud of it. They're, they want it to be an excellent team that can win competitions. And they, they were very proud of them when they got to the Nations League final. The only problem is, of course... We have seen in the past qualification campaigns go wrong. We have it happened in 2016, 2018. But also in the Nations League final, the Netherlands were actually quite poor against that Portugal team. Only four shots the whole game. And I just want to come to one of the questions about this. And it's from Fish Rhino. Which of the upcoming games are the Netherlands most likely to drop points in? Northern Ireland game or the Belarus game? They both look easy games on paper, but in the past, they haven't always been that easy. Well, it's a nice optimistic uh, question to, to answer, but I think that we really shouldn't be looking at which being so negative about this national team now is a time of such positivity. I don't see everyone's dropping points in either of them. I think, you know, a trip to Belarus in the past may have been tricky, but this Belarus side are, are nothing to be scared of. And Northern Ireland coming to the Netherlands, I mean, come on, we really should be beating both these sides and I don't really see us dropping points against either, so I'm not really going to say which one is most likely because I think that this is not going to happen. Yeah, neither am I, actually. The, the, the one which is more risky is the Northern Ireland match because they have been quite a plucky team. You never know that if they get a corner and they score a goal, the Netherlands have a bad night in the office and the ball just doesn't go in the net. That's what might happen, but it's really unlikely. I agree, Mike. We, as I said about us nitpicking positions in the national team too, and one of the questions actually asks about Ryan Babel and will Koeman drop Babel for a new talent anytime soon? And I don't know about you, Mike, but I think that's been really, that's a really harsh question because I was someone who wants to see Ryan Babel out of a Dutch national team squad, but he has definitely won me over. He definitely has won me over. Even his 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 um. He's youthful age that he is. He's nearly, he's 30 nearly, I think, or 30 now, or 32, somewhere around there. And uh, yeah, he scored two goals in the win over Estonia and got an assist against Germany in, in that front four, which was just so fluid, so brilliant in linking up and attacking. 
So again, I I just think it's been really harsh to sort of say that about Babel. He needs to stay in the team. Yeah, for me, he's, as I said earlier, he's a starter because of the way Neville's front three works. They all interchange positions. So you've got two speedy, smaller players in Malin and Memphis, and then you've got somebody like Babel who can also just go into the centre and he's a threat from crosses. I mean, we've seen it in the Nations League and we've seen it so far in his qualifying campaign. Every single time you think that Babel's going to have a bad game, he pops up and scores crucial goals. And he's, for me, crucial to the way Kimmin wants to play with his side. And he's, his work rate has been exceptional. He wants this. And he's said his goal is to be at the major tournament. So he wants to be at Euro 2020 and he's going to work hard to get there. And I think that when he pulls on that Avalon shirt, he's just a totally different player. It's like Memphis. Memphis gets criticised all the time for Leon, but when he puts on that Orania shirt, he's exceptional. And yeah, I think that dropping Ryan Babel now would be really cruel because he's done nothing to deserve it. If you look at other players in the squad, if you're looking at, say, adding a Calvin Stengs or a Justin Cliver, you look at somebody like Stephen Berghaus, who hasn't been exceptional for Feyenoord and say that his position would be interchangeable. Or a Kevin Strutman, who's not been very very good for Marseille for the past past year and even Roma before that. But if you look at Ryan Babel, what are you basing it on? The fact that he doesn't really do it all the time for Galatasaray, but he's been popping up with goals for Netherlands, so it doesn't really matter what he does for his club form. As long as he scores the goals for Netherlands, that's all that matters. Cumin sees what he does when he comes to training and what he does in games, and Cumin wants him in the squad, so he, he stays there. And yeah, I think he will start probably both games in this international period. Yeah, fair play to him. He's really pulled up his performances. Out of these players and that, that Cumin decides to drop for this final selection, uh, we've seen Justin Clavert miss out, um, Conkolo, Vilhena, um, Hartebur, Vekhorst, Davi Proper and Jürgen Zutz, goalkeeper. Uh, Proper and Zutz had injuries, so there was no surprises there whilst, while they were left out. One of the questions we had on Twitter was about Vilhena. Um, he's often been in the final selection, but not this time. Any reason why that might be? I think that Cumin has gone with Strumman again, I say again, because to me it's baffling that he's gone with, with Strumman again. But maybe Cumin's just not watched a lot of Krasnoyar games in, in Russia. I know he had a good start there, he's got a couple of goals. I think he got sent off in his last game, so maybe he's not impressing in Russia like he would like to, and Cumin's um, just went with different names. No, Valhena is a, a battling midfielder, maybe he's just not needed in these two games, and then. And it comes up against you know, tougher nations, you might add an extra midfielder. But I think this time he's gone for another attacker because I think that's why he's added Bergus instead. He's taken away a midfielder and he's added an attacker, which to me makes sense. It does because that means you can put uh, maybe Vinaldo a bit deeper if you need to and put someone else in the 10, such as Memphis. For these two games, that's what's needed. You need to have a, an extra attacking player on the pitch. So yeah, maybe that is why Cuban's gone for that. Although still baffling how Strootman's in the squad. Uh, another question from Twitter about Donny van der Beek. We're really pleased to see him back in the squad considering he missed the last one. It may all be that van der Beek plays in the 10 position. The question actually relates to how many minutes he might see against Northern Ireland and Belarus. S underscore van den says, in my opinion, at the very least, van der Beek should get a start against Belarus in place of Wijnaldum just for the sake of mixing things up and trying something new. Donny van der Beek deserves it and Genie deserves a rest. 
What do you think about that, Mike? I don't agree. Um, I think if you're looking at the midfield three that Koeman, you know, settles on, he goes with Darun, Frankie De Jong, and Vinaldum in the ten. Uh, Van der Beek's capable of playing at ten and a bit deeper. If you're going to drop anyone from that midfield against Dwight's Northern Ireland and Belarus, it'd probably be Darun. Do you really need two defensive-minded midfielders in there? Um, you could play Vinaldum next to Frankie De Jong, or you could play Van der Beek next to Frankie De Jong and have the other one pushing forward. I think that against these two nations where it's going to be probably Northern Ireland and Belarus sitting back and everyone's having to find a way through them, I would play Vinaldum and Van der Beek together with Frankie De Jong sitting deeper. I think that Van der Beek deserves to be um, back back in the team because he has done so well for Ajax. Even though he's been injured, he's, he came back and made a real big impact. Uh, particularly in that game against Valencia. Did, did you watch the Valencia versus Ajax game, Mike? Because Ajax were absolutely exceptional in that. Yeah, um, defensively they were great and they took their chance as well. I think that Valencia went close a couple of times and you know, they obviously missed their penalty. But going forward and then playing as a counter-attacking team just suits Ajax to the ground at times because their movement and their passing is just exceptional and you saw it with the Van der Beek goal, the, the passing, the way they just cut through Valencia and yeah, this Van der Beek was just ice cool in front of the goal and yeah, that's the sort of thing you want to see in this national team and I want to see Van der Beek given his chance finally but I don't think that dropping Van Adams the answer, I think that playing both of them together is the way forward. Everyone seems to have this thing about national sides. There seems to be two sides of the fence with the Netherlands. Half are saying consistency is key, whilst the other half seem to moan about how Koeman doesn't seem to change many things up. But actually, if you look at when Koeman first came in, he was all about finding that new team and finding consistent positions. And he did have to change things around to see who he liked and who he didn't, but also the formation he liked and the formation he didn't. Now he's got the players he wants. He wants to keep them together. Everyone goes on about the best international sides as being teams that have consistent players in the same positions. And yet people seem to be a little bit critical sometimes of Koeman if a result is going against them. It, it might even be halfway through a game, but they soon shut up if the Netherlands end up winning the game late on. Uh, what, what's your opinion on it, Mike? Because I'm, I'm on the side of keep it consistent because we've seen it get results in international sides in the past but also Koeman believes in it for the Netherlands or should he start to mix things around a little bit so he, they don't become like predictable and when the biggest sides come to play the Netherlands they know exactly what they're about then don't they? For me you know Koeman's not always got it right we saw it against Germany where his changes in the second half were actually what changed the game and bringing on Malin and bringing on proper so he does mix it up sometimes, but usually it's when you know things are going wrong. You, you make changes that seem to change games. Um, I'm an advocate for giving some youth players a chance, especially over ones that we know aren't going to play. Um, I think we all know that in the last international period, you know Kevin Stroman came on as like a, a substitute with a few minutes to go in one of the games. Uh, he's a player that I think's done with a national team. He doesn't offer. Anything maybe offers some experience in the dressing room, but I think you've got that from other players, especially when you look at the likes of Van Dyke, who will offer that. You've got Sillison, who's been around for a while. And you've got Memphis, as a big character. I don't think you need someone like Kevin Stripman in there. Whereas 
I think Kim is trying to build a site for not only Euro 2020, but the World Cup in 2022. And for me, somebody like Calvin Stengs has been exceptional this season. I'd rather see him given a chance than, than Struman. And even Berkus, you know, I just don't see the point in keeping him to. Yeah, consistency is key sometimes, but then you've also got to look for things that will improve the national team. I don't think calling up Strutman and Berkus improves anything. I think that I'd rather see a Stengs or Boadu or a, even a Cliver or a Coupe Miners given a chance because they'll probably add something a bit more. And is Strutman going to challenge Frankie de Jong for a starting spot? Definitely not. Whereas if you brought in somebody fresh, who's making a big impression in our division like Coupe Miners, maybe I'll just put a little tiny bit of pressure on Frank De Jong, maybe he needs to raise his game in training. Um, whereas right now, I think he's going into the Netherlands squad knowing he's the, the big man in there and he's going to start every game. Um, so I think maybe that will become an issue eventually if Kuman just keeps selecting the same players. Uh, but I think he will eventually have to turn to some of the talent. Yeah, you don't want to keep someone in the same position forever. You need to give them a little warning that, yes, they are the key player, but they don't get it. They should never take it for granted. Uh, a lot of the comments we had on our website, actually, about the final selection were about these Aussie players you were talking about then, Mike. Uh, Kurt Miners, Boadu and Stengs. RZ achieved a 0-0 draw against Manchester United in the Europa League on uh, Thursday. And they just were so mature and they, they, they were competitive with, with Man United, that, that Premier League side with all the pace and the power that they, they have that comes with, a, with playing an English team. I think... It can almost go a little bit under the radar with just how well RZ did there. They didn't beat Man United, and yes, they were, well, sort of at home, um, not playing in their own stadium still, of course. But they they were better than United on the night and could have won that game. I think that just, just goes to show how, how good RZ Alkmaar are at the moment, that these star players are helping them compete against the likes of Man United. Yeah, I think the argument against calling up these AZ players has always been that you know, AZ aren't typically seen as one of the top three in their ones, you know, Feyenoord, Ajax or PSV. But this AZ side tore apart Feyenoord a couple of weeks ago and they did what they did against Manchester United as well. They were, yeah, they didn't win, but they went toe-to-toe with you know, a Premier League giant who you could say is not in great form or didn't have some of their best players, but just the maturity of the performance of Coop Miners, Stengs and Bordeaux shows that they're, they're ready for a chance in the national team. I know that they're crucial for the under-21s who are also trying to qualify for a European competition, but you know, you've got to reward these players for for showing something. And for me, AZ are the third best team in the Eredivisie. And I think that a team like that's only going to improve if they see a way of getting into the national team via AZ. So if Cumin keeps ignoring AZ Atmar players, these players are eventually just going to leave for the likes of PSV or Ajax or, or Feyenoord because they know that Cumin's watching those teams instead. And I think that's going to be detrimental to, to the league as a whole. So I really hope Cumin changes his mind and does start to look at AZ as a... It's definitely a, a portal into... The Netherlands, even Vindal left back, should be getting mentioned as possibly a competitor to to Blind and Van Aanholt. As do I. I think that 
Koeman's got to start picking more of his eyes of players. In the past, we saw it with uh, Vincent Janssen, admittedly only for a, a short while before he was picked up by Tottenham. But he was selected from RZ, and I'm pretty sure he hasn't been the only one in the past. But RZ want to become one of the top three teams, or, well, certainly part of the top four. And they know that they shouldn't be selling their best players to Ajax or PSV anymore. That's, how, that's what will prevent them, ultimately, from reaching those positions. They need to sell with big fees to teams abroad, eventually. Let's hope that Isaac can keep hold of uh, Coat Miners, Stengs and Boadi for at least another year after this season. Um, or at least two of the three. Because they've just been impressing so much in their own different ways. One last little question I'd like to ask you, Mike, is who do you think in the future, say five, ten years' time, who do you think is going to have the most impressive career out of Coat Miners, Stengs and Boadi? Obviously a very difficult question, but who would your money be on? It's a really difficult question because they're all such different players, but... Stangs to me is something something very special. Um, I think he's got all the makings to be a one of the top wingers in Europe. He's got you know he's got height, strength, um, pace, and his passing ability and vision are exceptional. He scores goals. He's got everything. Um, I know when he first broke into the AZ side a few years ago before he got his horrific injury, he was so direct on the ball. He'd take it past two three players at a time and then take a shot he's reminiscent of you know, Arjen Robin he liked to cut inside and shoot and that's what I think the sort of talent he has he can be the next Arjen Robin um, Bordeaux yeah he's a great striker he scores goals we'll see what his level is in this couple of years and Coop Miners great defensive midfielder um, we'll see if he can make a step up from, from AZ because he's not I wouldn't say he's that Frankie de Jong level um, just yet. So, yeah, I think Stengs is the one that, if I was to pick out of all three of them, he's the one that I'd definitely keep my eye on the most. I have noticed more and more this season that Coat Miners, or at least it looks like he is, he's taking a leaf out of Frank de Jong's book and he's becoming that similar kind of player. He's playing a lot deeper in the midfield now, but also he's a lot more influential on the ball than he used to be. Uh, I think he's developing exceptionally well and I think Coat Miners could be the one that ends up progressing the most. Boadu is, is so young as well of course and we could see that eventually he becomes one of the best strikers in Europe as well. So it's so hard to say but um, and we'll see in the future what, what ultimately happens. Let's hope that they, oh, they can keep hold of them. Really, really good players because I think they're going to end up progressing from that Europa League group um, along with Man United or at least I hope so and then who knows how far they can go after that if they can prioritise the Europa League maybe add a couple of players in January if they can make it for that group well Mike uh, thank you very much for talking to me in this football on your podcast and let's hope for back to back brilliant results for the Netherlands and they can qualify for the Euros yeah I think if um, two easy wins in this international period and I've got one foot at the tournament for me let's hope for a comfortable 3-4-0 wins fingers crossed Make sure to give us a like wherever you're listening and subscribe wherever you are too. And we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks for listening. That is back up! That is back up! That is Yeah! 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 That is he! Yeah! Yeah! That is Klaassen! Goal!